Hi folks, a very quick announcement before we get started on the episode this week. And that is a huge thank you to Katie Unicorn Stewart. I don't know if your middle name really is Unicorn. If it is, that is an awesome name. So the fabulous Katie Unicorn Stewart gave us a recent review on Apple Podcasts about the recent Governance Summit summary. So five stars for Take On Board, she says. Loved the recent Governance Summit summary podcasts. Super useful. Katie, happy to help. Thank you so much. And thanks for taking the time to do a review. So a little prompt for others that might be listening. I love it when I get reviews and you might get read out on the pod as well. So get in there and work out how to do ratings and reviews and let me know what you think of the pod. All right, on with the show. Hi folks, it's Helia. Two opportunities to share with you this week to come along to take on board events. Firstly, if you're in Queensland and you're listening to this, well, pretty much on the day that it's released, and you're free tomorrow night, Thursday the 13th of May, get in touch super quick and you can join us at the Sunshine Coast Take On Board Meetup. Uh, Get in touch via my details in the show notes. Secondly, if you're not lucky enough to be on the Sunshine Coast or if you've missed that event, well, you don't have to miss out. There's a virtual Take On Board event coming up featuring the awesome Morgana Ryan and we are going to talk all things strategy, a key thing for boards to think about. This event is on the Tuesday, the 25th of May, and you'll get to meet others from the Take On Board community. There's not many tickets left, so please book soon. I look forward to seeing you there. Okay, enough from me. On with the show. Hello, and welcome to the Take On Board podcast, where we talk all things boards and governance. I'm your host, Halia Svensson. Being on a board can be interesting, valuable and exciting, yet it can also be really lonely, challenging and hard. So here at Take On Board, we'll bring you weekly tips, tricks and advice to help you build your governance wisdom. We'll shine a light on how to navigate your way onto your first board or to build your board portfolio. We'll also help you to work through those challenges that keep you awake at night. Each week, I'll talk to women who have been there, done that, and together we'll discover what we need to take on board to be your best in the boardroom. Today on the Take On Board podcast, I'm speaking to Reepa Patel about board leadership through disruption and using appreciative inquiry to engage the hearts and minds. First, let's hear about Reaper. Reaper, I'm going to get you to introduce yourself to the Take On Board community in a moment. But firstly, I'm just going to share how you and I first met. So eight years ago, I think it is, back in 2013, when the Take On Board podcast and everything about it was just not even a twinkle in the eye, Reaper was my career coach. So at that time, I had recently been made redundant, essentially. So the organisation I'd been the CEO of had merged with another organisation. There was two CEOs. I was the CEO of the smaller organisation. We all know how that story ends. So I exited stage left. And as part of my exit stage left, there was some career transition support. And lucky me, Reaper was my coach and kind of supported me through that process and helped me find this new path. So, yay, big welcome to you to the Take On Board podcast today and thank you for helping me find this new path. Oh, my absolute pleasure. And it's, it's been, I, I was thinking about that, you know, eight years, I couldn't believe it. Uh-huh. We share so much in common. 
yeah. uh, of course. And, you know, one of them is that we are, can I say recovering lawyers? <laughs> <laughs> you can definitely say recovering lawyers. <laughs> and the fact that we've we've switched paths, you know, yeah. into, into what we do now, which is, you know, wonderful from around leadership. Absolutely. And whilst you were my coach then and it was a professional relationship, I knew at the time it's like, oh, she's a good person, keep her in the back pocket. So here we are eight years later and I've obviously kept in touch during that time. So yeah, it is fabulous to have you here today. Oh, my absolute pleasure. And I I love catching up with you. So this just feels like a catch up. (laughs) (laughs) We literally have a cup of tea in front of us, folks, which is also wonderful to have. So Reepa, can you introduce yourself to the Take On Board community? Thank you for that. Yes, Reepa Patel from Leading Mindfully. My expertise is essentially mindful leadership. I work at the intersection of neuroscience, positive psychology and mindfulness. So what all of that means is I deliver personally transformative strategies that are proven to work. Mm -hmm. You know how... In a board, you can have a highly functional team, so people who are really good at what they do and yet still have less productivity, mm-hmm. profitability and engagement in the organisation and within the board. Mm. What I do is to engage the hearts and minds of that team so that they can lead the organisation through growth and disruption. Mm-hmm. Uh, and it's really about igniting the hearts and minds. My background, as I've just alluded to, is legal. So my last legal role was head of legal for the Institutional Bank at ANZ. And that was way more than 10 years ago. And then after that, I moved into a strategy role. So head of strategy for the international trade finance business, which I left 10 years ago to start up my own business and and, and work with leaders and their teams and board chairs and, and boards. And of course, you're the former chair and still a board member at the Multicultural Centre for Women's Health. That's correct. And formerly, I didn't know this until we were doing the preparation for this, that you were formerly the company secretary at the State Library of Victoria. That's correct. Yes. Many, many moons ago. But yes. (laughs) All part of that governance wisdom. Yes, absolutely. And, And a different governance role, reporting to the chair and all the kind of intricacies that that involves of reporting to the chair, but day-to-day reporting into the CEO. Yes, it's a tricky role being company secretary. I actually did a podcast with Robin Weatherly, which incorporated some of that conversation some time ago. So, Reepa, before we talk about board leadership and disruption and all of those wonderful things, let's dig a little bit deeper about you. So, can you tell me about your upbringing and what lessons you learned, what you got up to, and what were the leading influences on you as you were growing up? Yes, so my background is refugee, actually. Mm. So I was a a refugee with my parents in the UK Mm -hmm. and grew up in the late 70s, early 80s in in London and then became a lawyer in London. So, so, you know, practised, qualified and practised there, moved to Australia, so halfway around the world, about 25 years ago with my husband. Mm Mm-hmm. And have transitioned careers a number of times, even within my legal career. So I've, I've done private practice work, uh, in-house counsel, working for the state government in, mm-hmm. in, the, in the state library role that you described, in a governance type role. So I think you can say that change has been a constant in my life. So the ability to adapt has been constant. And... I look at life through the lens of diversity, and I don't mean just uh, ethnic 
diversity, mm -hmm. I mean diversity of thinking. So clients engage me because of the diversity of thinking that I bring. So I think adaptability, resilience, all of those things were basically part of or are part of who I am because of the life journey that I've taken. Mm. And it's interesting, it's such a, you know, which kind of relates to appreciative inquiry and potentially to board disruption, but that's a real strengths-based approach yes. of the experiences that you've had in your life have led you to be incredibly adaptable and open to change and presumably open to courageous decisions and all sorts of things. It's a great reminder for us about ensuring that we look for the strengths in people and in organisations. Absolutely. And I think that strengths go with courage. Mm. I read recently um, a governance report around the fact that in Australia, boards are generally much more conservative. I think they looked at the Western countries mm. and we are, I can't remember the exact position we're in, but we're, we're in the bottom third when wow. it comes to courage. Mm -hmm. And I think that goes with the whole question around diversity and diversity of thinking mm -hmm. because when you have changed careers and changed continents and mm -hmm. <laughs> uh, you know changed your lifestyle you get some of that courage and you understand how to how to walk through that. Let's get more into that conversation then about board disruption and what's important then there. You talked about appreciative inquiry and using that. Let's just start with that. What is appreciative inquiry and how and why is that relevant in the boardroom? Yeah, so great question. And, and you've alluded to the key uh, strength of appreciative inquiry, which is its strengths. So <laughs> I know I've used that word so many times in that sentence, but it underscores the approach, which is very different in appreciative inquiry. So, you know, normally if you were going to use a well-known methodology like a SWOT analysis, mm -hmm. it's equal parts strengths and equal parts weaknesses, if you like. Mm -hmm. But appreciative inquiry starts with the premise of strength. So in other words, it starts with what's worked in the past, what's already going well, because in any change, you need to know what you're going to keep. Mm. And we're not often very good as a board at thinking about that. We're very good at thinking about what needs to change. Yep. And sure, we, we do need to consider that. But we also, before we start with what needs to change, what are our strengths as an organisation and as a board? Mm. And what do we need to keep in the current context? Then appreciative inquiry looks at, well, what's our desired future? And this is, you know, when I facilitated, it's a dream, literally. So I'm tapping into the neuroscience. So I'm tapping into the creative part of the brains of everybody in the room mm. beyond just, you know, what's our next increment. Yeah, It's what's possible for us. And then we get into, okay, so to build that future, what gets in our way? So we, we don't ignore the problems. Yep. We just don't start with them. Why is it important right now? Because no one's got the answers. So there is no template for navigating this change that we're currently going through. So that dreaming part is really important. Mm. And it's also a highly engaging process. So nothing is done to people, but people walk out of the room highly enthused and engaged. It aligns their hearts as well as their minds. So you don't need to tell or convince people after that session mm -hmm. that they need to go away and implement this people actually walk out with a plan and self-identify 
as being sponsors for that piece of work and, and voluntarily wanting to implement that work because it means a lot to them. Mm. It, I was having this conversation just yesterday with a client about strategy and that engagement in it. And in some ways, it matters less what the words on the page are and more around how engaged people are in that process. So often we get hung up on the wordsmithing of it. It's like, oh, don't worry about the wordsmithing. What, what are we really aiming for? Absolutely, yeah. So you talked about getting boards into that dreaming space. Now, that's not often what happens around a board table. Mm -hmm. How do you work with boards to get them into that dreaming space? And indeed, you've been the chair of your board. Have you worked with your own board to get them into that space? And what did you do to to allow or to prompt and encourage that to happen? Absolutely. So if I if I may, I'll go through a governance process that we mm. went through. Yeah. To en enable me to do that. Great. As chair, obviously, we've been through a number of previous strategic planning sessions, and to say that we didn't get value out of those, I think, is probably a fair statement. I could say a lot more about that, mm -hmm. <laughs> but, you know, but I can't. Um, and so... As let's, let's do a strengths-based approach. <laughs> let's start with what, what to keep and what works. Yes, exactly. <laughs> we had great incremental growth. We were a small organisation at that stage and, you know, really struggling to, to get the growth in funding. Um, mm. and, and, you know, we work in the refugee space, so, so it, it was dear to my heart. And so I thought I would love to bring appreciative inquiry into this process uh, and, and do a full-blown planning project mm -hmm. with this organisation. But being the chair, of course, there was a conflict of interest. So I decided to donate my time. Mm -hmm. And what I did was I stepped down from my chair role for that process and I pitched the project to the rest of the board yep. as a consultant but donating my time. Mm -hmm. So I had to actually persuade the board mm -hmm. for the first time and, and all of these board members, including the CEO, had never experienced appreciative inquiry before. So it was an uphill task for me. They were doing their jobs in being board members and saying, well, why would dreaming work? Yeah. Why, why would acting out the dreams in a funny way, mm. how's that going to help us to grow the organisation? Yeah. So, yes, I've been up against that. What I did, so I had three PhDs in the room as well. So I shared actually the methodology and the research behind it. So mm. I, I, I looked at who was in the room yep. and what was going to persuade them. Yes. Yep. Um, so important to do. Absolutely. And I offered up some case studies and offered to introduce them to clients so that they could speak to them. One of the clients being a large bank. Yeah. So th that kind of persuaded them that this was serious. It's not a frivolous thing that we're doing. The biggest concern I had from the board was, wait a minute, but we've got so many problems and challenges, mm. we don't want to forget them. And I, I had to reassure them that we're not going to forget them, we're just not going to start with the problems. Mm. Yeah, right. Okay, so you take them through this process to influence them about how this could be important and valuable to the organisation and then presumably you take it on. Yes, so I did. Talk, was, talk me through that. It was a year-long project. Wow. But the whole point around appreciative inquiry is that the consultant, mm -hmm. me, mm -hmm. doesn't walk away with all the knowledge. So you know how traditionally consultants do strategic planning. They come in, they have a team of people, they do all the work, they, do, they interview everybody, the stakeholder, everybody. They mm -hmm. gather the data and the knowledge mm -hmm. and then they give you a strategic plan. Yeah. Appreciative inquiry is, is very, very different yeah. in the sense that, so, you know, the first 
role that a consultant has, the first role I had, was to get a project team together of mm -hmm. the organisation. Mm -hmm. So the project team then did all the stakeholder interviews. The stakeholder interviews then inputted into a two-day summit mm -hmm. that we ran and the entire staff was involved in that summit. So that's the first time that the staff of this organisation were involved mm -hmm. to that extent in actually creating the strategy. Yeah. So not commenting on, inputting into, mm -hmm. but actually developing the, the strategy alongside board members. So sitting alongside board members. Yeah. And then obviously the, the CEO and her, her leadership team went away and prepared the, the strategic plan off the back of the work that we did in that two-day summit. Mm, amazing. So engaging the board and the staff in the program using that strengths-based approach. So tell me about the strategy that came out the other end. Yeah, it, it was amazing. We almost doubled our revenue mm. in that planning period, so much so that we used appreciative inquiry again, but this time we engaged. The board could see the value in paying somebody else and I wanted to participate this time. So I didn't want to be the facilitator. As you know, facilitators don't actually participate. Mm -hmm. So that was really hard for me, <laughs> facilitating something that I really cared about, not having input into it. Yes. Um, so the second time around, the, the success of this was not just the, financial growth but also organisational growth our structure grew mm. so for the first time in the organisation's history we had to consider you know how do we implement structural change mm. and then we completed that same process again for the next strategic planning cycle you know in my head I'm like it sounds like everyone's always after the silver bullet mm. and the magic this is sounding a bit like the magic that might somehow do that. An organisation, you can use appreciative inquiry, you can use this process and it results in exponential growth. Is it really the secret source? I think it is. Uh, mm. but the secret source is in the people and the way that, that they, mm. they are engaged through the process. Yep. That's the secret source. Right. It's not necessarily anything that I do, mm. but it's what appreciative inquiry enables me to facilitate. Yes. Which is the engagement mm. of a different part of your brain, different part of your mind, a creative mind, including getting people into creative expression. Yes. And then helping them to see what's possible and then building a concrete plan around delivering what's possible. Mm. That really shifts the energy. Yes. And I think that's the secret source. Mm. Okay, so that really big creative thinking about what could be, but then bringing it back to concrete in terms of implementation and delivery. Yeah, absolutely. So there, I was talking to a friend last week and she said, so what's your favourite part of the appreciative inquiry process? Well, you know, what is it that gives you the buzz? And I said to her, I, you know, I do two-day workshops and I do one-day workshops. Both of them have these two pivotal points. One is about halfway through the process where we've just stood and reflected on the dream. Mm. And usually someone asks the question of, this is all great, Reaper. Like, I mean, I feel really good how are we actually going to implement this? <laughs> and that's great because that's the second part of the day yes. or the, sec the second day itself. And then towards the end, you know, people have the realisation of, wow, we've gone from a dream of what's possible into an action plan that's quite concrete. So I know exactly mm. what I need to do that's going to help us to achieve that. So those two are my favourite points. <laughs> it's always fun, isn't it, when people say, oh, what, what about... X, Y, Z, it's like, great question. Let's move there Let's now. Let's talk about that now. <laughs> yeah. So I'm wondering with your board that you spent some time influencing to take this up, you know, you've got the PhDs in the room and the people who are all very serious about things. 
you convinced them to take it up. How did they go in the dreaming space? They loved it. So here's what I know from my experience. Mm. It's our mind and our what-ifs that get in the way. When I start leading a group through the visualisation exercise and the dreaming exercise that I use, this was a group of about, I think it was 60-plus people in the room. There were only two people that I could visibly see were not engaging in that process. And that's okay because not everybody engages in every process, as you know, as a co-facilitator. You have to expect that for some Mm. people that they're not going to engage. But most people follow the instructions and they, they surprise themselves to the point where the second time when I was pitching, because it was a slightly different board at that stage, the second time when I was pitching for having a facilitator come in and facilitate an AI mm. process with us for strategy, one of the biggest doubters on the board was my biggest supporter in mm. putting it forward to the board. Mm-hmm. That's how it changed. And she actually said... Honestly, I didn't think that this would work, but I found myself so caught up in what was going on that I surprised myself in how much I enjoyed it and, you know, look, look at the results that we've got. So you were the chair of the board when you convinced the board to take up this option and you stepped out of the chair role. Did you remain on the board for that period? Only for non, non-related. So uh, we were really clear about the decision-making processes and any decision-making process that happened about the engagement of me, mm. I would step out of the room for. Yeah, right. Um, and they would make those decisions. So I did remain as the chair, but for all other decisions other than, uh, you know, should we engage this this person, yes. <laughs> as it were? <laughs> this, um, this other mysterious person who might have the same name, but is... Yeah. Yes, yes. And we would openly discuss it. We, we've got a, a standing agenda item which was part of the governance that I introduced in my sort of chairship, which was around, are there any conflicts of interest? Yes. So we would openly discuss, is there Mm. a conflict for me to be in the room Mm -hmm. um, when we're discussing the agenda items other than um, the ones that related to my appointment? But in reality, because there was no payment Mm. involved, Mm. the rest of it was just process. Once the decision was made, yes, we'd like to go ahead with this, then it, the discussions were more around process and logistics, which were really about management's recommendations. Mm, okay. And was there – so it involves the board, it involves the staff. Does it also involve any external stakeholders to the organisation? Absolutely, all external stakeholders. So mm. we, we interviewed the, the migrant and refugee women that mm-hmm. we serve. Yep. And we inputted their data, their comments. So we, we came up with, a, with, a, with an interview guide or an inquiry guide into mm. around the topic that we were inquiring about. We talked to our funders, to government, mm-hmm. both state and federal, the other women's organisations as well that we partner with, the researchers that we partner with. So absolutely. So it's a 360-degree look at the organisation mm-hmm. and the input comes from all aspects of it, not just the board. So, as you know, traditional uh, strategic planning process is generally the board and the leadership team with some input from staff. Mm -hmm. But this was a a complete kind of look at the organisation from all facets. Fantastic. And you conducted all of those interviews with all of the stakeholders? No, I didn't. So, Ah. this this is the bit about appreciative inquiry that's really important. It's the staff did that. Right. So, there was a project team that I helped skill up. So I helped them and walked alongside them is the way I describe it. Mm-hmm. But I didn't do those interviews because the data would have then left with me. Yes. 
I can hand that over in, in raw terms to the staff, but it was the staff that were engaged in that. So when they when they talked to the women concerned, the, the migrant and refugee women concerned, they got the real-time mm. stories mm -hmm. from them. And that's what I mean by this process is highly engaging. Yeah. Because they were then touched, obviously, by the stories and mm. it... it, it compounded their, you know, sense of purpose in being involved in the organisation. And so it went far beyond a strategic planning process. Absolutely. Oh, look, and it's a difficult balance in this, but having the staff undertake that engagement with stakeholders, whoever participants in the organisation or funders or whoever it may be, do you find in this process that having the staff undertake that there is a risk that people won't be as honest as you would hope they would be? That's interesting because we didn't find that. So we came up with an interview guide. Mm -hmm. So the questions were standard mm -hmm. and those questions had to be asked. So I guess that structure kind of helped. But I don't know about you, but when I'm asked something, I want to be honest because I, it comes back to, you know, compassion for me. Compassion mm. is not about being nice. Yes. If you're asking me what can I improve, for me, the compassionate response mm -hmm. I can give you in, in an appropriate way mm -hmm. is to give you the truth. Mm because that's what you're seeking from me. You know, help me to understand what I can improve. And we found that that actually did happen. So the stakeholders did say, look, we think your strengths are these, mm -hmm. but we actually think that the areas to improve for you guys are here. Mm -hmm. And it won't surprise you to learn that that wasn't a surprise to us either. Yeah. You know, it, it's like, yeah, we really need to do this. And, and if our stakeholders are saying that, maybe we need to actually direct some yeah. attention and focus and some money towards that. Oh, what an amazing process uh, for you to be part of, both as part of the board and for an organisation that you care so passionately about. But what an amazing process for other boards to be aware of and maybe to play with in their own strategic thinking. Yeah, I'd highly recommend it. If you're looking for a process that will help, you know, uh, significantly move your organisation forward, yeah. then highly recommend Appreciative Inquiry. I should have, I know we did a brief briefing, if that's a word, just prior to this. And what I should have warned you of is the time goes super quickly yeah. and today is no different. So what are the main points you want people to take away from the conversation that we've had today? You know, what got you here will not get you there. Mm -hmm. And what I mean by that is in a VUCA environment yeah. where... VUCA, if you could yeah, just explain what Volatility, that is. uncertainty, complexity and ambiguity mm. on steroids at the moment. We don't know what the answer is. And the answer is different for different countries and different for different uh, organisations. So what's worked in the past will not work in the future. What I would say is there are five key things that a board should consider when leading and governing through VUCA. The first is fight for your focus what we know from neuroscience is what you focus on grows. So I know that, you know, in the last year or so, boards, particularly in Victoria, have had to focus on the operational. But be careful that that doesn't become a norm. Now, a skilled chair will make sure mm -hmm. that that doesn't continue to be the norm. But it also takes board members around the table to mm. question, you know, is this a governance or a strategic thing that we should be considering. If you're constantly problem solving, guess what? You're going to see more problems, right? So, and I'm not saying don't problem solve. What I'm saying is you might want to problem solve, but your focus might be on growth or focus might be on something that's going to help you navigate through this rather than just problem solve. The second is remember that your, your purpose is powerful. And what I mean by that is that there's a growing body of evidence now that shows 
that when people and organisations align around purpose, they are far more successful. They, they have higher levels of well-being, higher levels of job satisfaction, customer satisfaction, engagement, profitability and productivity. So for the not-for-profit space, it's, it's normal. Mm-hmm. But in the for-profit space, it can be hard sometimes to understand that shareholder value is not going to engage the hearts of your people. So it's thinking about, you know, how do I ignite that alignment around purpose? The third thing is remember that change happens in this moment. So a lot of people say to me, you know, Reaper, to change the culture or to change our direction, it's going to take a long time. Mm. And I say to them, it starts today. You make a different decision, you take a different action. Mm-hmm. That's when change happens. So let's not be fooled by, oh, this is a really big thing, it's going to take years. Sure, if you've got an IT system, it might take some time to change, but the first change happens with the board Mm -hmm. in the way that it thinks and how it starts implementing some of the governance and strategy work that they do. Fourthly, courage is critical. It's the critical component of change, and and we were talking about this earlier, Mm. right? So Australia is known um, as a quite a conservative country. So having migrated from the UK, I can see that. And I I have read recently a governance report uh, that compared Australia to to the rest of the Western world or their boards in particular around courage Mm. and risk-taking. And it showed that we were in the bottom third. So in any change, you have to overcome fear. You know, you, you have to do that. And the last point I would recommend sort of goes hand in hand with this, which is compassion converts fear into action Mm. so the compassionate piece for a board is look no one's got the answers here we need to have the courage to do a few different things that we haven't done before and understand that some of them will fail but what what we want to do is learn from them so that's the compassionate piece Absolutely, God. They are five fabulous tips for boards. And in fact, if you've got that piece of research around courage in the boardroom, if you could send it through to me, I'll make sure we put a link to that in the show notes as well. I know I don't think of myself and I don't think of our society as particularly conservative. So it's really interesting to hear that because if we're in it, we probably don't know it and feel it. So yeah, that'd be an interesting one. I'll share that in the show notes. Absolutely. Speaking of the show notes, is there a resource that you would like to share with the Take On Board community? If you've liked what you've heard so far in in terms of moving your board forward, I've just published a book Mm -hmm. called Elevate, A New Path for leaders to lead through uncertainty. And it's got some practical tools and and resources that you can apply. So it's got some really practical things you can take away to implement change. Fantastic. Well, let's do something with that. Uh, Let's do, shall we give away a couple of them? Why not? Why not? (laughs) (laughs) So how we do this, folks. Um, If you've heard the conversation that we've just had, Shall we do it around, let's just make this up as we go. Shall we do it around the, the five the five points that you've just yes. talked about? Yes. So may, maybe if you've got a good example mm. of where either you individually or you with your board have fought for your focus. So let, let's mm. just summarise them for people. Fought for your focus, understood that your purpose was powerful, you know, understood that change happens in this moment, 
that courage is cr a critical component of change and that compassion converts fear into action. Mm. So any of those things, if you've got a brilliant example, what do they need to do with that? You, you might actually win a book. <laughs> yeah. So, folks, if you've got an example around that, big or small, know that some of these things don't have to be the big processes that you've gone through. It might have been just something you did in a meeting or something. Or a mindset shift in or you. Or a mindset shift in you that maybe nobody else even knows about. If you could share that with me in an email, all of my... My contact details are in the show notes. So you can message me through LinkedIn or email or whatever. Share it with me and we'll have a look through. And a couple of you will go home with Reaper's fabulous book so that you can put more of this into action. Oh, there we go. We love it when it comes together in the moment. <laughs> <laughs> oh, okay. Well, thank you so much for coming to me in downtown Thornbury, sharing a cup of tea with me, being able to reconnect after so long being apart mm. and most importantly, sharing your wisdom with the Take On Board community today. I know people will take a huge amount away from it and I look forward to the stories that people will share with us around how they might put some of this into action or have already put some of it into action. Fantastic. Thank you so much for the invitation, Helia. Hi there, it's Helia. That's a wrap for the Take On Board podcast today. I do this podcast because I love bringing good women together. So it's great to be able to share these conversations that I'm having with these amazing group of women with you. Now, can I ask a favour? Could you share this podcast with someone you know? Perhaps you can share it with some of your board colleagues or someone else that you know that's interested in exploring all things boards and governance. With your help, we can grow the Take On Board community. Last but not least, if you want to continue the conversation, you can also join us over in the Take On Board Facebook group where there's lots of great discussions, tips, tricks and resources being shared. I would love it if you can join in the conversation there. You can find it by searching Take On Board in Facebook. Thanks for listening and tune in next week for another fabulous conversation. Fabulous.